Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heard on the Street, Street Fight's podcast where we uncover the stories behind the companies, and more importantly, the people that constitute this sector of media and advertising that we all call local. So where are they from? What makes them tick? What business and life lessons can we draw from that? So I'm Mike Boland, lead analyst at Street Fight, and our guest today is Raquel Rosenthal, who's CEO of Digilent, which works with brands and agencies to optimize and advance their marketing playbooks. So we talked to Raquel from our studio in San Francisco about the trend she's tracking and the best practices she's exercising. So here's our discussion with Raquel. So Raquel, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mike. I'm super happy to be here. Yes, we'll have fun. Um, so we actually have a lot to talk about, including diving deeper into some of the things I just mentioned. But first, let's start with a quick intro for you and for Digilent, for those unfamiliar. So in, in terms of me, I'm a, a digital veteran. I've been in the space for since 1999. Uh, prior to that, I was in the traditional space. And um, actually, when I went to college, I, uh, I did something similar to what you're doing now. I was in TV and, and radio, oh. uh, which was, was really fun, except for the fact that once I got out into the real world, um, I had to figure out what I was going to do. <laughs> so anyway, um, I got in the traditional space. I owned my own business for a little while. And uh, I realized that at some point I actually had to make some money. <laughs> and I went and I worked uh, at the 9X Yellow Pages. And I just wasn't excited about it. Um, I was really good at selling, but the internet was starting to get in the swing of things. And uh, I had an opportunity to join DoubleClick, which is now uh, Google. Of course. I, yeah, and I um, I took the leap. I went there, and since then I've been on the publisher side. I've been on the ad network side. Um, I went and I worked at the first um, first business in RTB. Um, so I've really come up the the ranks in in um, digital. Uh, I worked at, uh, at as I said a publisher. Uh, an ad network, and and then when the space started changing, um, around 2000, uh, 2011, I joined, uh, at that point it was Adnetic, but it is now Digilent, and at that point it was the very emergence of, um, of DSPs, mm. and I was super excited uh, to join because it was really changing the space. And um, I, I came in, I was a VP of um, a VP of sales at that particular point in time. And I worked my way up the ranks and now I'm the CEO. That's great. And, and a lot of good history there. A few things jump out there. 
um, in terms of just like it's like a, a kind of a Forrest Gump story in terms of just those historical milestones that like raise flags <laughs> for me. One of them I think is very interesting is Nine X Yellow Pages. One because of like Nine X. Who's ever heard of Nine X? Because of all of the subsequent kind of consolidation <laughs> in the telco space. But also Yellow Pages because you know when I started as an analyst in this industry, it was right around 2005, and that was kind of the tail end of the Yellow Pages reign of local. And they are the you know the forebears of the industry that you know Street Fight covers and, and, and others that, that I work with in terms of this kind of local commerce universe, right? Like they, they were the they were the forebearers of that. And I, I got the tail end of that. I was an analyst at the, the Kelsey Group, which was a firm that specialized in essentially the Yellow Pages industry and, you know, analyzing it and forecasting its revenues and all that good stuff. Uh, and then slowly but surely since that point in 2005, it, it was a transition over into the, you know, the Googles and the Yelps of the world and kind of owning local. And you mentioned Google and DoubleClick. I remember that at the time. It was right around that same range of time, if I remember correctly. And it was, I think it broke records at the time in terms of dollar amount and valuations in, in acquisitions by Google until a few years later when they bought YouTube and that was <laughs> much larger. Um, but but that's that's very interesting kind of background. And one thing we always like to talk about in this show is kind of what we call cross-training. Um, and I think you very much embody that in, in what you just mentioned in terms of like all of those different pieces of perspective, of, 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 of things that just kind of add to that overall mosaic of, of your skill set. Um, you know, everything from sales to kind of in the weeds and, you know, yellow pages and ad agencies and all of that. So, you know, we, we usually ask people to unpack that. You've already done us the benefit of doing that. Uh, but, but I guess the follow-up question to that is in that whole journey – um, you know, and sometimes that's serendipitous, sometimes it's by design. What are the things that you would kind of advise to our listeners that might be at younger points of their careers in terms of, you know, gaining that diverse skill set or the things they should be doing and thinking as they build up their own kind of careers and resumes? That's a really good question. Um, I think it's really important uh and, and as I mentor people, I do believe it's really important for people to own whatever they're doing. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but let me explain. I think it's really important that whatever you're doing, you jump in with both feet. You are always curious about each and every aspect of it. You want to understand it fully. And always act as if. Um, I know for myself, I would always do more than my job description. I would always try to, um, if I wanted to do more, I would get engaged with it. And I would do the job even before I got the job. And I think that that's really important mm. because... A lot of times um, when, I'm, when I'm involved with younger people and their careers, they want to move ahead. They just don't know how to move ahead. And I think that you really have to own it. You have to get in the weeds with it. You have to ask a lot of questions and you have to network too um, and understand what other people are doing in, in your space. Um, I think that that's hugely important. Absolutely. And it sounds like it's a nice mix of 
kind of integrity and modesty. And by integrity, I mean, you know, as you said, owning, owning anything you do, owning your decisions, no matter what the outcome. And then modesty to just kind of, you know, know what you don't know and, and, and realize you don't know everything, which I think breeds that hunger, right, um, to just continue learning th throughout a career path. Um, so I think that's actually really good lessons for, for, for our listeners. Now, um, let's actually now transition over uh, from your background to now to go a little bit deeper on Digilin itself. Uh, so let's go one level deeper in terms of like just kind of the high level company district description, its founding principles, um, and, and any kind of differentiators or, or even numbers you want to give us for a sense of kind of operational scale. Sure, sure. Um... So before I talk about um, the the company, I do want to talk about the the landscape just a little bit. Oh sure, like the me. environment in, in which it's entering to solve problems. That that that's a great idea. Yeah, because initially, yeah, Digilent was an ad tech company, um, and when when we did start, and when I started in the digital space, there were you know only a hundred sites. Um, there were only a hundred technology partners. And if you take a look at the Lumascape, now there are thousands mm -hmm. of platforms out there that are that that it's really hard for brands to make sense of what's happening in the market. And the market is changing so rapidly that brands really are finding a challenge with understanding how to build out their ad and technology stacks. Um, and then simultaneously, there's this, there's, this, um, there's this change in the market where there's a blurring between ad technology agencies and consultancies. And they're sort of merging together. Um, ad tech companies are adding services, agencies and consultancies are adding technology um, and consultancies are making uh, traction in the agency business because of the challenges with the agency business with kickbacks and bad agency practices. Sure. So, you know, this has been going on for the past several years and, um, and so a few years back, as the market started changing, Digilent recognized the changing landscape and we we recognized that we needed to change our approach. So we, we moved from an ad tech company um, to a new type of company that was part tech, part agency, and part consultancy. Mm. And as we discussed, this is happening today as the market is evolving. Um, our, our mission is to provi provide complete omni-channel digital end-to-end -end solutions for brands and agencies wherever they are in their digital journey. Um, but I do think that our differentiator, because you, you asked that question, Mike, um, since Digilent started as an ad tech company, um, we're differentiating as a new type of emerging, emerging agency and consultancy. We have deep knowledge of data, technology, analytics. From our DSP, DMP days, we have pro a product and engineering and data science 
um, teams and expertise. We have knowledge of how the ad tech and marketing technology fits together. And so we're helping brands who have existing stacks and need expertise in making sense of the mm. stacks, um, helping them to do data integration so they understand the different channels, how they work together, all of the attribution behind it. And they don't wanna rip out and replace what they currently have. Or we're also working with brands who really need help with building out their ad tech and marketing technology stacks. So um, long-winded answer, but I hope that that oh, yeah. answered your question. And, and, and a few things to draw out there that, that jump out at me that I think are interesting. That kind of diversified approach in having ad tech you have the tech side, you have uh, consulting and agency, is interesting in that you, you kind of optimize to different kind of demand in the marketplace. Of course, there are different unit economics when you're talking about a, a software platform in ad tech in terms of having, um, in some cases, scalability and favorable unit economics, but also there are advantages to more high-touch services that you would get in consulting and, and agency work. So kind of hitting all those marks would seem to optimize in, you know, in terms of just basic yield management. But the second thing I think is interesting is it would seem that having those pieces, there would be almost like a circular flow of knowledge and feedback in improving how they all work together. So you know, a pure ad tech player might not get the direct touch with clients that you get that then becomes a feedback loop to go in and kind of constantly improve the software and and you know the software vice versa seems like it would feed into making the other sides of the business um, more performant in, in terms of just kind of having that holistic solution is that a fair way to look at it I think that's a really excellent point because the reason that brands now want to work with fewer partners is because they do want a holistic view of what's happening. So if they're working with too many partners, their data siloed. Yeah, it's and fragmented. They don't, they, yeah, and they don't get a full picture of it. So by working with a, an end-to-end -end partner like we are, um, we can do part of it for them or we can do all of it for them. Mm -hmm. And I know we're gonna drill down a little bit more into, into that, but I do think it's important because clients do, we're, we're seeing this trend where clients really do wanna work with less partners. And, um, and I think that technology companies are only part of the puzzle, so um, it's it's important for brands to work with a holistic partner that can make them uh, make sense out of the whole the whole puzzle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and very aligned with kind of the trending we're seeing in the marketplace. Um, so we're going to actually pause there for a commercial break. When we come back, more from Raquel. Hello everyone, this is Mike Bolin, lead analyst at Street Fight, and I'd like to talk to you today about Brandify, which is Street Fight's parent company. It's a local marketing company that provides a range of services for brands with brick and mortar store locations. So that's everything from retail stores to restaurants and moving companies and banks and healthcare providers and several other verticals. And Brandify manages the digital outposts where most consumers encounter these businesses today. So we're talking Google Maps and Facebook, Yelp, Apple Maps, and Bing. 
And the name of the game is really to create a compelling presence on these sites and apps and to engage with consumers more effectively using advanced reputation management tools. And this is all really compelled by the fact that 97% of consumers regularly search online for local businesses. So brands today can't afford to be missing from all those channels or lack multimedia content or contact information or visible responses to customer feedback. So Brandify synthesizes and optimizes all these channels through a local marketing platform. And it's all about standing out and winning the loyalty and lifetime value of tech savvy consumers. So to learn more, visit Brandify.com. So we're back. My guest is Raquel Rosenthal. So Raquel, before the break, we were talking about a lot of stuff, like your background, um, the learnings from your career path, and then also drilling down on Digilent, um, its approach, its kind of diversified model, its service model. So let's actually go one level deeper on that and, and show rather than tell, as I like to say. Um, so are there any kind of examples of how you've worked with any of your constituents to kind of bring them value? Um, what were the results um, and what were kind of the, the ROI points that they've seen? Yeah, no, th thank you so much for asking that. So just to back up for one second before I start getting into the examples, because we did talk a lot about the full service agency side. Mm -hmm. um, Digilent is a new type of emergence, emerging sort of agency consultancy, which we alluded to in the beginning. Um, and we do provide omni-channel solutions rooted in data and analytics. We work with both agencies and brands, and we do wear different hats depending on the client and their needs. Um, so we talked about the, the brand clients, but we also work with independent agencies that don't want to invest um, in an in-house trading desk but they do need digital media buying technology and expertise. And we, we work with them as, as an extension of their team to strategize and execute on campaigns. We also help uh, brands in-house um, for those who wanna bring technology in-house. But to give you a couple of examples of how we, um, how we provide value on the brand side, recently, we had a partner who came to us who is launching in the US. They already have a setup in Europe. And they have an ad tech stack in Europe, but there's differences between data in Europe and in the US. And they wanted us to build out, help them build out an ad tech a marketing technology stack that is specific to the US and based off of our ad technology expertise, our data science expertise, our analytics expertise, we're, we're not only consulting with them on this project, we're not only setting up the analytics to measure how this works, However, we're also gonna be working with them on their strategic planning and media execution. And they're super happy with how scrappy we are and the fact that we can do this type of end-to-end -end solution as we talked about from beginning of them setting up the stack to consulting with them on making sure that 
it's set up properly, that they're optimizing all of the channels, and then the the strategic planning, media execution, and in the end, the analytics on the back end. But in terms of a couple of case studies, um, we we have a couple of clients that uh, we do have branded case studies with, and a lot of times brands don't want to um, give out their names, but however, uh, we we do have those case studies. Popcorners is one brand that we ran a paid social uh, campaign with. They um, they engage with us on social strategy and execution, and Popcorners is one of the fastest growing, better for you snack brands, and their sales increased in the U.S by 40% in 2019. So in terms of ROI, I think that's an amazing ROI. Mm, yeah. Yeah, a second case study that um, that is a good one, however, um, with the pandemic now, they're actually not running with us. Bahamas Cruise Lines is a client that we've been working with for some time. We ran an omni-channel campaign um, and the strategy resulted in a 24 increase in annual bookings. And so, again, we offer you know, end-to-end solutions for clients, programmatic search, social, um, CTV, analytics. So we can really do soup to nuts with a brand and an agency, anything that they need in that omni-channel journey. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that further um, kind of validates or unpacks the, the theme that kind of we keep circling back to, which is the versatility that you have from that diversified model. And, and that kind of leads into another thing you alluded to, which is working with kind of in-house marketers or, or in-house, you know, marketing departments. Um, and that diversified model, as I said earlier, you know, kind of optimizes your market opportunity because you're hitting many different kind of demand points in the marketplace. And, and what I'm realizing now is that almost kind of protects or future-proofs the business uh, against kind of certain <laughs> trends we're seeing. And one of those is brands indeed going more and more taking everything in-house. Now, a pure agency would be negatively impacted by that, right? But, you know, the fact that you're working on all these different levels means that you can serve and you can, you can lean into that trend. Now, is that a fair way to look at it in terms of one? Is that trend happening? We've been kind of observing that to some degree. It's lots coming in-house. And how are you kind of, you know, working with that? So in-housing, we've seen uh, for some time. So we we talked about how um, we saw the market changing um, and how we work with managed service, self-service or in-housing as well as full service. And I, I would say around 2017, 2018, um, traditional agencies um, really started to, um, to operate in a black box, have trading desks that were um, making lots of margins on their clients, and this came out, right? And so I think that the trend of in-housing started then with some of the larger brands. But in-housing in does mean different things to different people. Um, 
we we offer a number of different models for a client. Um, it can be as as little as um, signing a contract and having us uh, run their their campaign where they get full transparency into the pricing and uh, the data and the and they can see all of the uh, reporting to as much as actually bringing um, people in-house. The reality with in-housing though is that it's harder to do than you think. And so unless you're a really large brand and you're spending a lot of money, think about it like this. Um, you're essentially having to bring a trading desk in-house. So unless you have a lot of resources to hire the people and the time and the energy to make it work, it really is harder for some of the smaller and mid-size brands. So that's where a partner like Digilent comes in for you because we can help you from a consulting perspective decide does it make sense for you to bring it in-house or does it make sense to work with a partner? And we're not the only partner out there. There are several really good partners out there. And I do think that this trend that we talked about with this new, um, new type of agency consultancy is really important for both brands as well as agencies who want to think about in-housing because it is here to stay. And then the second point I'll make is that we're also seeing a renewed interest in in-housing with the pandemic. Um, as the pandemic is causing the economy to um, be sluggish, if you will, both brands and agencies are going to really need to look at their um, what they're doing and save money. And in-housing is a really good way for both agencies and brands to um, to save anywhere from 20 to 30 percent um, than working with a non-transparent partner. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, and I think aligns with a lot of the things that we're looking at in terms of just the behavioral shifts that are going to happen as we all kind of come out of this. Um, and I think that just at, at a very broad level, it's going to engender new perspectives, uh, new ways of doing things. And in some cases, that's going to be operational efficiency in, in lots of different ways. Um, and, and there'll be hopefully as like a silver lining to a, a crappy time for the world, uh, lots of kind of new new perspectives and, you know, new ways of doing things and, and not just things that are like pandemic specific, but things that actually apply to normal times. And we never would have like stumbled upon this kind of new, you know, and, and what you're talking about is, is sort of along the same lines in terms of just kind of forcing operational efficiencies. And, and I think that's very interesting. Um, so we're actually going to pause there for another commercial break when we come back more from Raquel. 
Hello everyone, this is Mike Bolin, lead analyst at Street Fight, and I'd like to talk to you today about Brandify, which is Street Fight's parent company. It's a local marketing company that provides a range of services for brands with brick and mortar store locations. So that's everything from retail stores to restaurants and moving companies and banks and healthcare providers and several other verticals. And Brandify manages the digital outposts where most consumers encounter these businesses today. So we're talking Google Maps and Facebook, Yelp, Apple Maps, and Bing. And the name of the game is really to create a compelling presence on these sites and apps and to engage with consumers more effectively using advanced reputation management tools. And this is all really compelled by the fact that 97% of consumers regularly search online for local businesses. So brands today can't afford to be missing from all those channels or lack multimedia content or contact information or visible responses to customer feedback. So Brandify synthesizes and optimizes all these channels through a local marketing platform. And it's all about standing out and winning the loyalty and lifetime value of tech-savvy consumers. So to learn more, visit Brandify.com. We're back. My guest is Raquel Rosenthal. So Raquel, before the break, we were talking about lots of the different kind of dynamics of the environment in which you're operating in, one of which um, is kind of this in-housing trend. So another trend that we're seeing uh, that I know you're working with is is like the, the rise of programmatic. And that's, of course, not anything new. But, you know, over the last half decade or so, uh, programmatic has really bubbled up. And, you know, especially in certain places where it didn't exist before, um, some areas of display, broadcast, um, you know, I guess programmatic was already a, a, around in search. I mean, search is kind of founded on, on programmatic. But anyway, um, you know, the principles of programmatic is, you know, it's kind of some people think of it as like a set it, forget it thing. It has, you know, some efficiencies in that sense. But also there's, of course, a sliding scale. Do you miss out on like the the nuance um, in, in human touch in, in across the, the, the whole chain. I mean, the, the sale, the fulfillment, all of that. So I, I know that you've done a lot of, uh, you know, thinking and thought leadership on this topic about that sliding scale, about the sweet spot. You guys even acquired a programmatic agency um, from MediaMath. I believe the name was Anagram. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess that's, that's several questions, but I guess really to boil it down, uh, what's your kind of philosophy uh, on programmatic and, and how you guys are specifically uh, kind of applying it. So I think that that's a really important question. And there is a delicate balance. When, um, while buying, well, the buying of uh, media might be programmatic, it's important that the targeting optimizations, creative and messaging is crafted by humans for humans, if you will. Right. But, but the, but using machine learning and programmatic isn't as simple as pressing a button or pulling a lever and letting the technology do its work, okay? And, I, and you alluded to that. Uh, setting it and forgetting it is a recipe for poor outcomes. Um, AI and machine learning don't always work the way you think it's going to work. And the technology is only as good as the algorithms upon which it runs and the data that's used to feed it. Human touch is necessary to develop and adjust these calculations 
um, and continually make optimizations, um, as well as to decide on the most appropriate data to, uh, to feed it. Yeah. Um, and whether you're doing it yourself, yeah, or using a partner, um, you need to make sure that you're using the best platforms and you have the best team of people that have the experience in using those platforms. But I think another point is important as it relates to that because you really need a team that has the analytical and technical know-how and is responsive because otherwise um, the campaigns just won't operate the way that you think they will. And that I think ties back to an earlier point you made about the need for a holistic solution as opposed to fragmented set of service providers from any given brand or or agency in terms of you know being able to have a full view um, of the analytics right for that for that feedback loop that you want right yeah I think that's a really important point if you're working with just one partner that doesn't have access um, to all of the different systems that you're working with that that has all of the data then, your data gets siloed and you really don't get that full view. And that's why we are seeing this trend of more and more uh, brands and agencies wanting to work with less partners and work with a company like ours that um, can provide an end-to-end -end solution for them because I think it's even less about um, – it's it's – it's less about uh, the ease of use and the one-stop shop effect, if you will, but I think it's more about the analytics and the measurement and, um, and really making sure that the user experience and the customer journey are seamless, right? And we're seeing more and more of this. I mean, analytics and measurement were all already important. Um, and there's too much customer data to be collected and processed and turned into insights for a company to remain competitive um, without making full use of modern analytics tools. And I also, we talked about the pandemic before, but I do think that this is a catalyst in accelerating the importance of measurement. Um, again, advertisers, are looking to save money. They want to make sure they're measuring the effectiveness of their media, and um, and that's key. And and one other thing we're seeing is that people are starting to um, to want to combine their offline measurement with their digital measurement, and that that in the past. The two worlds have been separate, but mm -hmm. this is a trend that we're we're seeing as well. Well, that online to offline analytics is kind of the holy grail because if you look at the numbers, um, you know we point to always, and this comes from the U.S. Census Bureau, roughly eighty nine percent of U.S. commerce happens offline. However, as we all know, we are increasingly influenced through digital media, mobile, et cetera. So to connect those dots, just based on the sheer number of off, the sheer volume, excuse me, of offline commerce, 
um, I, I think is, is one of those kind of holy grail things. And, and of course, the, the technology keeps getting better. And, and I guess like one last question while we're still on analytics, what's the kind of trending you're seeing in terms of the question of what to measure, I think has always been uh, something that's a moving target. It moves with the technology. It moves with the goals of, of advertisers. Uh, but are you seeing anything where there are, you know, emerging areas such as, you know, we, we could talk forever about some of the futuristic stuff like, you know, uh, biometric track, tracking for things like, you know, um, sentiment analysis or, you know, there are so many things out there and you can easily get overwhelmed with all the, the data sets. And it's really less about the, the data overload than actually gleaning insights from it, of course. But just on the analytics or, you know, since you're, you're really working with that a lot, um, what, what are the types of things that you're seeing, you know, either trending in the last few years, you mentioned, you know, the move to better offline tracking or what you see kind of down the pipeline in terms of the things that we can start to measure? So I, I think that people are using data and analytics more and more. So one, one trend that I think is interesting is that in the past, people hired creative agencies for the creative wow, if you will. Hmm. But more and more, I'm seeing that creative is moving towards what are the what's the data and analytics saying and it's the kind of madman era like gut gut <laughs> effect of uh, like you know if you can make the ad executive cry or you know so that that was the KPI right <laughs> stuff like that yeah i mean i think brands really want to to understand all of the nuances and we're even seeing it in some of the RFIs that we're getting. Um, some, I'll just talk about political because it's a political year. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're even seeing brands that typically would work with a political agency, if you will, come to start to approach um, this new emerging agency, if you will, that understands data and analytics, because frankly, if they don't look at the data, understand the data and know how to um, use it online, it's gonna be really problematic. And so I think that that's hugely important and you know, I'm not even talking about some of the like things that you had touched on, which are more of the futuristic stuff. It's just the nuts and bolts of using data to understand who your audience is, who your target should be. Because in the past, a lot of brands made these assumptions. They de did media mix modeling that became outdated, but we have to operate in rapid response now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially with all of the crazy stuff going on in this world. So working with a partner like ours or someone similar to us um, is important because you need to be able to make these changes in real time and the data and analytics can really help you do that. Yeah, and, and data and analytics is very endemic to local 
um, and, and localization um, in terms of just like refining messaging and, and geo-targeting and, and various forms of targeting. And as, as Tip O'Neill said, all politics is local. Um, it so, sure is. <laughs> so, um, so that's great. Um, so we have time for kind of one more question. We can kind of go out on a light note. Um, you know, what are you kind of working on now? You, you mentioned a lot of it, but you know, what are you kind of most excited about um, e either professionally, personally, um, for just kind of the remainder of 2020? So thank you for asking that. Um, your your listeners probably don't know because they don't know me, but um, I have been a work in progress over a long period of time trying to better myself. That's some of the values that we have at the company. I think they're important that, um, that we espouse values of constant evolution. Um, but for 2020, I think my personal goals are to keep my staff and myself positive and optimistic during this period. Um, as a company, we're focused on virtual hangouts, virtual yoga and workouts, um, cooking classes, wellness days. Um, I do believe this is uncharted territory for most of us. Um, and we really do need to approach it in a, in a new and innovative way. And that just goes back to, I do believe with what's happening right now, the digital sort of evolution is happening even faster. Um, you know, even a couple of years ago, the video, video conferencing and things like that, our team wasn't interested in doing, but now people are getting on and they, they're coming with their full selves, you know? So I, I do feel like that's an incredible thing that I've seen and um, I'm excited about it continuing this year. Yeah, that's great. Um, and that's actually a good place to end it and circles back to some of the kind of silver lining points that I was making earlier and, and we can kind of gain new perspectives. I always say that um, whenever the ground shifts, that's where innovation lives. Um, so um, hopefully we'll all kind of come to some new new discoveries, new perspectives, um, and, and whether that be, you know, more adaptive use of things like video conferencing uh, or, or across the board with other things. Um, so Raquel, I want to thank you for spending time with us. Thanks, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, this was a fun conversation. Um, and thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for future episodes of Heard on the Street. You can find us on streetfightmag.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And also stay tuned for lots more writing and multimedia from Street Fight. So this has been Heard on the Street. I'm Mike Boland. Thanks for listening.